0: All right, welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Keep Moving Forward podcast. Uh, today's guest is Justin McQuery, who is a law enforcement officer from basically bumfuck Egypt, Arizona. Um, he puts it, and I'll put it nicely with that, and uh, he is also a veteran of twenty Um I've only done my first intake appointment with him. I've got another one scheduled for tomorrow, at, or no, Wednesday, this week. And uh, I'll turn it over to Justin and kind of give him the stage and let him introduce himself and give some background, and we'll we'll go from there.
1: Absolutely. So I, I actually grew up in Phoenix, uh, kind of blue collar, uh, a lot of construction background, heavy equipment, uh, horses, some other things. Got into law enforcement in 2016. Uh, fell in love, really found the the calling, if you will, um, behind the behind the badge, and uh, worked at uh, three different agencies. Uh, I had a little uh, exodus from the state at one point, went to the Midwest, was a cop out there, decided the Midwest was too damn cold and uh, came back to the desert. So um, currently working with a, a small agency. I won't throw their name uh, out there because they don't know I'm doing this, but uh, small, small agency, about 35 sworn, give or take. Um, it's been, it's been real good. Been with them for almost a year now and uh, love the job. Yeah, well,
0: no, it's um, good to hear because I, I got a lot of respect for what you guys do and I know the pressures. I've never obviously I've never been law enforcement, but I understand what it's like having it where every time you're in the performance of doing your job, you never quite know what's going to actually really happen. And there is a tremendous amount of pressure and just unease that goes along with that
1: sensation every day. Every I day have, every
0: yeah, um, I've had it in different areas of my life. Uh, and then I was an ER nurse after on the civilian side while I was also still doing like the reserves and everything else. And so I always I kind of think it's like, what's the ER like? And it's like, well, you never know what's going to happen coming through the front door. Yep. Then I went to work for the VA and it really it wasn't like that anymore. But um, yeah, no, I got a lot of respect for what you do uh, you. just because. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a scary situation
0: to put yourself into on a daily basis. It seems like
1: it, it can be, and you never know what's what's going to be behind the door. Um, the the hot calls, if you will, where you know the nine one one calls, where somebody's getting stabbed, or you know there's a robbery in progress, are usually uh, honestly more uh, more dependable because you know kind of what you're going into. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to homes where the front door is open and the neighbors called because the dogs were out and there's a body inside. So um, for whatever reason. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, no. Um, I'm sure you get exposed to quite a few things that you're not expecting. Coming into it and yeah, I'm sure you've been to your your fair share of suicides and everything else like that. Yeah. Um, are you more of just, are you an invest, like the detective side of the house or are you more um, out in the car doing your patrols every day?
1: So the first agency I worked at, uh, I was a county deputy. And so in that in that aspect, we did a lot of our own investigations because you're so rural. Um, you know, your closest back, it might be 20, 30 minutes away. So a lot of this stuff we, we did have to handle on our own. Um, I'm working for a, a municipality, a PD right now. So it's a little bit different. Um, but hopefully, I'll be seven, almost eight years on the road. So hopefully, uh, this year I'll be making the swap to detective. And have a
0: <laughs> you got to
1: take an exam for that. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole testing process to to go into that. So uh,
0: there's yeah. I've always heard like, why don't you take for the detective exam? I'm like, it seems like there's always a test for everything anymore. Um, everything. Army, we had boards, so it was like. You did all your stuff, you put your paperwork forward, and then you had to sit in front of a bunch of people asking you questions, and then they'd give you a score and be like, not ready yet, ready yet. And the worst part was, once you got through a couple of those, then you had to put your soldiers up in front of it, so you got to go in there after the fact and listen to what they did or did not do properly, and you're just like, mm-hmm. Roger, Sergeant Major. Roger. got it. Roger. Roger, for Sergeant. Oh, man. Yeah, no, well, good luck on that. Um, Thank you. I see you've got the don't tread on me. So I'm uh, guessing you're a strong believer in the uh, second amendment.
1: I am. I am. It, it surprises me that how many people think cops are anti-second amendment, but I can tell you it's, uh, couldn't be further from the truth, especially around here. We're, uh, a hundred percent pro pro second amendment. I'm very pro second amendment. I carry pretty much everywhere I go every day and, um, have my own healthy collection. assortment.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I like my guns. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, I would like to see more controls on who's able to walk into a Walmart and walk out with a few thousand rounds of ammunition and an assault weapon. Cause I do believe that they are basically only made for one real reason. And that's to hunt people. The other one I don't get me wrong. I got two M four sitting upstairs in my closet right now, but I've also been through the military. I know what they're for. I've used them in different ways and I've been trained on them and I, i would like to see something that could help with preventing what we see at the schools because i don't think any law enforcement officer needs to go walking into that situation i don't think any parent needs to try to live through that situation um but at the same time i don't think that we should restrict like hunting rifles or things like that because if They serve a purpose and people are using them responsibly, I'm all for it. And yeah, if I could afford and had the ammunition and everything for a Barrett 50 cal and knew where I could go out to like a mile long range, I'd go out there and have some fun before I detach my retina from the recoil. But
1: I live in the middle of nowhere, I got a spot for you if you want, <laughs> <laughs> it's about 10 and minutes out from where we're at.
0: And that's, that's where I think, uh, I think there's a thing, it's like I do believe that you know the right. To own a gun shouldn't be infringed but i do believe there should be like we make you get a license to drive a car i think in some cases we should probably make you have a license to have a kid but that's just because I'm,
1: that's a whole different <laughs> still that's what i could talk all day about that one
0: <laughs> it's like people are so like polarized that there's not even a conversation going on on just like what would be some good common sense and it's either Absolutely, no regulation whatsoever, or so far on the other side where everything's going to be regulated, and I just there's got to be a middle ground. But I don't. It's like I I would not lose any sleep tomorrow if they woke up and went, yeah, we're going to prevent the sale of assault weapons. I'm like, go buy them while you can get them because at this point sales are going to go off, and I think you would see a mad rush for it. The ammunition would still be out there because people would still have them. And yeah, but I'm like, yeah, you try taking away my shotguns or my 3030s that I'm gonna use to go out and go hunting with, I'm gonna have a problem with that. If because you know there's a big difference between a guy walking in with a 30-round magazine or god forbid, one of those like hundred-round drums that you can buy for him when walking into a school versus me going out with a five five shot clip hiking through the woods. Hoping to God I see something I can actually take a legal shot at and I think people don't see the variants in the different grays that can come together with that
1: yeah and kind of from the law enforcement perspective um being that my first agency uh county agency different mm-hmm. unincorporated communities towns we have parts of being in the schools to now being in a town where uh, PD specific to, you know, the, the, there's only three schools, the elementary school, high school, middle school. From what we've seen for the majority of these kind of things leading up to that, luckily, knock on wood, my table here, um, we haven't really had anything happen like that in, in this part of the world. Have there been some threats? Absolutely. Have there been some scares? Absolutely. But I think, I think the biggest piece missing from all of this is not the guns, <clears throat> it's the people using them and all the things that they're thinking they're doing they're going through and there's a lot of stuff in the schools that's actually missed as far as kids and the signs and the symptoms and bullying and all these other things in the social media um I, i honestly think we're failing our children more than anything um we're not giving them the attention they need we're not giving them the education we need we're not uh providing them with the resources and you have a kid who maybe he's got a terrible home life he goes to school, doesn't have friends, has a terrible school life. Grades are terrible. Teachers coming down on him. There comes a point where, what's the option? And with that being said, I think right now in the media, we're really pushing the uh, the uh, fame and fortune aspect of the active shooter. Well, I may go to jail, I may get killed, but I'll have gotten my revenge and then I'll be immortalized. And so I think, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be – multiple pieces of the pie and not just just the guns. I I definitely could see a couple little things here and there with the guns and maybe a couple small changes, whatnot, but I think we got to look at the entire pie as a whole. Um, It takes more than just dough to make pizza.
0: No, yeah, no, um, I can agree with that statement because I do believe that our education system is in trouble. Um, I think we should tax the upper 1% (laughs) a lot more than we do because let's face it, they can afford it. (laughs) The rest of us can't. And I had this conversation once with one of my colonels, very conservative, like diehard gop -er. I don't know where he stands now with how the GOP is kind of taking on that new life. Mm -hmm. I know there is a, I do have a very discerned difference in being conservative politically and like what being conservative used to mean versus kind of what the life it's taken on right now where it's just like you just look at him and you're like you just seem to be getting farther and farther off the deep end it seems and not kind of supporting that economic conservatism that used to be their their bread and butter it seemed like but I was talking and I'm like well he's like I just don't think that like the one percent of the population should pay 50% of the taxes and I go but look at it this way if we're taxing you on a certain level like, say we are even taxing you 50% on it for everything you made above this. And let's say they made $16 million in a year and we're taxing them 50% for everything they made above 4000000 million. They're still getting, what, $6 million out of that that they get to spend. You're taking home $100,000 and we're taxing you 30%. You're left with seventy grand. You, that... Thirty grand coming out of your pocket hurts you a lot more than that. That fifty percent that they're losing, because they're still t- paying that graduated step up to that till they hit that point. And I mean, if you look at it like Eisenhower, and I saw this quote from, him and I was like, "Wow, it makes a lot of sense." It's like he refused to lower the tax corporate and the top tier income tax rate from ninety percent when he was president. And he's the one that built our interstate roads and all that stuff. And, he, and his quote was, because if you lower the tax rate on them, inevitably greed will take over and they will be about keeping as much money as they can for themselves instead of reinvesting that money into bettering the company, bettering the situation, or making it more socially something. I know I'm not getting it completely correct but at the end of it. And here, I'll show off my great and wonderful sunburn. Yeah, I
1: the totally, totally get it. I actually kind of fall somewhere between, a, I call myself an independent libertarian because I don't really fit in, I don't fit in the, the conservative or the, the liberal aspect, really the left or the right. I, I believe uh, pretty much leave me alone, I leave you alone, and we'll all have a good day. But I think there is a place for taxes. I think what we have now is an absolute mess as far as the tax system in a whole um, you know, you can write off this, but you can't write off that, even though it might be, you know, almost the exact same thing. Um, you've got these percentages that change and you don't know how they change and you're supposed to pay your taxes at X rate and you owe the government X amount of money, but it's up to you to sit down and figure it out. I and mean, if you get that wrong, you go to jail. Yeah. Like, can you just, just send me a bill at the end of the year? Like every other business does. So like, <laughs> you. you know, something yeah or hey, you made this much, you pay this much. you yep. made this
0: much, you pay this much yep. Yep. um yeah, because our I agree with the our tax system right now is a mess, but it seems like we keep paying more and more and getting less and less for it absolutely. And that's where I think that because I don't know how you how old are you uh, yeah, how old are you are, but I know for me, like you never heard about like social security failing when I was younger or anything like Mm -hmm. that. You heard like rumblings, but it's like, we've taken a lot out of the social security coffers and just never paid it back. Yep. I'm like, I wonder if all that was still there making all the interest it could have made through all these markets and everything else, if we would still be having the same rumblings. But I'm like, our schools are failing, our roads are crumbling, our infrastructure has gone. I'm like, taxes pay for all that in some way, shape or form why is it that like you see other countries they're like i love paying my taxes because i don't have to worry about this i don't have to worry about this i don't have to worry about this and i'm like why can't we do that here
1: well if you have a business and you have a project and that project isn't going smoothly they don't say give me more money they say unscrew yourself and figure out what you did wrong to fix the problem. And it seems like they, the more they make mistakes or have more issues, they just keep increasing the budget, keep increasing the taxes. And then before you know it, we're sales tax, income tax, tax when you die, tax when you're born, tax to live, tax when you buy everything, food, groceries. It, it, at the end of the day, I mean, everybody's pretty much paying over 50%, I'm sure, if you did the math on on taxes. Gas tax, uh, tax on your electricity. And I don't know what what state you're in, but uh, I'm uh, in Oregon, so we. Oh, you're in Oregon. Have okay.
0: Sales tax, but we we get like different taxes, like when you buy um, cars and things like that. And for the most part, I really can't complain. I was living in Washington before this, and Washington was a sales tax state, so you didn't have the income tax. But what you did get nailed on was property taxes, like our property taxes for comparable value of your property in Washington was almost, I'd say at least a third higher, if not more than that, than what I'm paying in Oregon right now. You guys have some discounts for vets. Like if you're uh, disabled through the VA, you can put in a letter and it takes off like 12% of your property taxes or something on a year. But yeah, cool. well, my paycheck, I look at my gross, and then I look what I'm getting paid. I'm like, Oh, look, I, I basically lose about I'd say 42% of
1: my paycheck to taxes every two weeks. I, I hope get some of that back at the end of the year, but. Hopefully, hopefully. And me and my fiance were actually going over the uh, the electric bill. And we're actually going through it because they sent us an itemized list. And I think it was 160 bucks is what we paid for that. I only use $45 worth of electricity. The rest is all your taxes and fees on top of that that all goes to the government so you're paying over a hundred dollars in Arizona right now in taxes and fees and only 45 to 50 bucks in power so um, yeah
0: uh, no I would say the great and wonderful Pacific Northwest that's one benefit we got. We got some cheap ass power up here Good. <laughs> for, what Good. We use, for what we pay it's actually not too bad because um, it's kind of hard to keep rebuilding hydroelectric dams all over the place when you've already got like six of them sitting on the Columbia mm-hmm. River. Uh, yeah, wood's usually pretty cheap up here for the most part. Um, it got really expensive because they've been cutting back a lot with the logging industry, but and just regulating it a lot more. But yeah, power's usually not too bad. Our water bill you would think would be a lot less than what it is, but we just don't get the snowpacks that it gets so hot here in the summers now. like two years ago we had a thing where it was 116 in Portland. And they estimated that in five days, almost a quarter of the snowpack melted off the Cascade Mountains because it was so damn hot. And it's like, yeah, our summers are getting hotter. Our winters are getting um, not necessarily any wetter, but we're not getting as much snow in the mountains, it seems like. And so there's going to be a trade where I think a lot of the eastern Washingtons, but we also have like the Columbia River, which is huge and its reservoirs are dammed up so it's like we got a lot of farming and stuff on the eastern side of the states that have a lot of irrigation ability but yeah it's like i the climate change thing it's like i don't know how Arizona was cuz Arizona was always hot mm-hmm. and
1: dry and we're actually we're having a cooler summer so far i'm kind of surprised it hasn't hit 100 yet at least not where i'm at and usually it's at least 105 by now so we had a very cold very uh very wet very snowy winter um, in the high country, they got, uh, I don't even know, a lot a lot of snow, more than usual.
0: Okay, but so maybe the weather p- patterns are shifting a little f- farther south.
1: That would be my guess. But,
0: yeah, because uh, uh, yeah, I am not a, a meteorologist, nor do I have anything like that going on. But,
1: uh, well, I'll tell you this, I remember being in high school a while ago, <laughs> a while ago, and uh, 116, 118 in the summer. And the last couple of years it's only been hitting 112, 113, 114. So, um, 2012 it hit 121 in Phoenix, that was a hot year, but uh, it's been a while since we've had a real, a real bad scorcher.
0: Oh. and see, for me, I'm just like, yeah, no, uh, that just means I don't go outside, and if I do go outside, take the dogs Pretty outside so I can spray them down with a hose, and just <laughs> be like, give it 10 minutes, you'll all be dry again, and we can all go back yep. inside. Uh Yeah, no, because it's like, I grew up in, like, when I was a kid, it was weird. It was like, you would remember a few days that would get, like, into the 90s in the Pacific Northwest, and that was like, oh, my God, it's really, really hot, and it would be, like, 91, 92, but you were, like, mid-80s during the day, mid-60s at night, and that was the entire summer, and that was basically from, like, the 4th of July all the way through, like, probably almost the early part of october Mm -hmm. and then it would just like go back down and you'd be like 44 and 34 would be your highs and lows all through the rest of the year and now it's like how the hell are we hitting 100 on the west side like on a regular now throughout the summers and it's damn i don't like this if anymore (coughs) um let's try to ring my ring in after three days of barely sleeping with four dogs in an 18 foot trailer we're like yeah no uh and it's not a big enough four Australian Shepherds. A... <laughs> four Australian Shepherds. two kids oh. were inside the tent they were probably the most comfortable because they had air mattresses and everything else and we we're in there just like it, i think it took me 20 minutes to wake up and actually be able to move out of where i was sleeping today and i had a dog like here one here like Polly was up on my head Hoku was laying in my midsection and Naya was wrapped up behind my knees and I'm just like, how the hell am I supposed to get out of here? Especially when my back doesn't want to function right now. <laughs> so I came home, we're like, let's see if we can find something a little bit more comfortable that we can afford. Um, but no, kind of go bring it back. Um, I'm just going to ask the question, as a law enforcement officer, if they took basically just the assault weapons off the street or made it to where you can't walk in buy one and walk out as easy, would that make
1: you feel more comfortable even though you do support uh, everybody having the right? No, no. Would um, At the end of the day, they're going to get the guns, um, whether it's an AR-15 from Walmart, who actually I know they, they don't even sell those anymore, uh, or an AK that they smuggled up through the border. Um, they're They're going to get them Somebody somewhere in the world's gonna to, gonna to make them. They're gonna manufacture them. They're they're gonna get them. It's gonna happen. Um, I think that there are more good people in the world than bad people, and we've had instances again where we're small town America in the West in the most conservative county, probably in the Southwest. <laughs> um, I will say the uh, the that expression "fuck around and find out" holds very true out here.
0: Oh yeah, no.
1: So from, from from where I'm at and what we've seen, um, you know, we had somebody last year uh, broke in the wrong house. Grandma had her gun and, you know, he actually survived and he's in prison right now. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, the good people um, are still out there and I, I'm not really worried about them. I'm not worried about the assault rifles, if you will. Um, I'm worried about the actual person behind the rifle.
0: Okay. No, and I I get that because I think also our mental health um, abilities in this country are very in short, or they're in extremely short supply right now. And I think COVID Mm. highlighted that in a way to where even though there's more acceptance of mental health issues, I think right now, and the fact that people need mental health help, it's where are we gonna get it from? Because it's not like we can just rush out a whole bunch of new mental health providers over the next couple of years and just kind of be like, oh, here, magic. Yeah. Now well, everybody can log on and get exactly what they need. And then it's also finding the fit for you as an individual of what works because not yep. everybody's gonna have that fit. Um, you're, I'm guessing where you're at, do you have a lot of dealings with the cartels, especially coming through Mexico? Trying to get stuff moved,
1: it's it's kind of hit and miss up here. Um, the law enforcement up here is pretty well loved and liked, even through all the stuff that's happened over the last five and ten years. Um, very supportive community. So when we're out doing what we do, again that 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 five percent of the population that we constantly deal with, then like us no matter what. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the the rest of the population very supportive. Um, we actually just had a uh, human trafficking uh i don't want to call it a load but 17 uh illegals smuggler driving through the area about two weeks ago um i know a couple years ago there was some of the cartels trying to move into the area um and our narcotics unit was very very busy um Mm -hmm. trying to not allow that foothold to get in here but unfortunately it it is up here and it is uh continuing to move
0: yeah because i know even up here we have um different areas that they use as major thoroughfares coming through. And I think a lot of it is because the law enforcement presence in those areas aren't as pluralific as they are in other areas. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's interstates that intersect. And if you're close to an interstate, it's like, you know, if you're doing the speed limit on the interstate, it's almost next to impossible to get caught unless somebody knows what it is you're doing or what what's going on. But with that, um, that human trafficking aspect, was that kind of like where the coyotes kind of misled the individuals that you found and, or do you Uh,
1: No, so I I can't really get into too many of the details on this. Um, but we we had some Intel, the vehicle was moving. We didn't know what was in it and there's more things branching from that. So that's about all I can say from it. But, um, there was some intelligence that some something we didn't know it was someone but something was <laughs> was in the vehicle to uh to see if we could get a stop on it
0: yeah cuz i i think at this point it's whatever they think they can make a profit on they're going to get themselves into okay. um do you see them cuz i know um saw some other stuff where like they were using uh different ways to try and smuggle like basically moonshine across different areas and not having to pay taxes on it. Do you see a lot of that out through there coming up from the South or is it mainly just like I, the meth, the
1: Coke and everything else that they're trying to get through? Uh, the meth, the Coke, the fentanyl, fentanyl it, Fentanyl down here is pretty much replaced everything else. Um, you, occasionally we'll still see some meth. Uh, we'll still see some uh, black tar heroin, maybe some of uh, the brown heroin or some other things, but pretty much fentanyl is, is pretty much taken over the entire market because it's so cheap. I do know for a while they were actually mixing the meth uh, into water because it looks clear, mm-hmm. and then that's how they were smuggling over. Because if you have a gallon jug of, of water, who's gonna who's gonna check that jug? And then once they get it over here, they basically uh, distill it or find a way to evaporate the water, and the crystal that's left is your, your methamphetamine. Well,
0: but I never even thought of that. But then again, I'm not a smuggler, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. ingenious ways of doing it. I'm like, if I really wanted to, you know, marijuana is legal so I can just walk down the street and be like, what do you got that'll just let me chill on the couch for about the
1: next Yep. Yep. They just legalized that out here uh, last year, 2021, 2022. Just legalized marijuana out here also.
0: Even in Arizona, huh?
1: Even in Arizona.
0: Oh, right. Oh, no. I'm like because I was like, I know California passed it. I think Alaska passed it. Washington, I know, passed it. Yeah, um, No, I'm surprised, Arizona, because you usually hear it's like the conservative hotbed of Arizona unless you're like right around Tucson or Phoenix. So um, have you seen like any issues arising from that or has it become kind of widespread?
1: Um, We... The real big issue with it right now is the DUIs. So we're getting a lot more uh, drug DUIs, the marijuana DUIs, Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of folks don't realize how long you're actually physically impaired from marijuana. It's around 15 hours. Um, So they'll get up in the morning. They'll, however it is they, you know, they smoke it or inevitable or whatever. Mm -hmm. A couple hours later, they go for a drive. Well, you're, you're still very DUI, even though you may not be feeling it. You're all over the road. so <laughs> um, And then, uh, you know, ki- kids have always gotten it. They're going to find a way. We have seen an uptick in just kind of like cigarettes. Since it's legal now, it's kind of taken the place of the cigarettes um, in high school. So we're, we're always getting calls at the, the high school. Hey, kids, yeah, marijuana. All right, well, do do the, the same thing we would with tobacco. So.
0: Yeah. Um, no, because, I mean, it's I think that's true of anything, though. It's like because, I mean, we were all teenagers doing what we were doing. And I'm sure you weren't always the law-abiding individual that you are right now as you were growing up. It uh, it's like, if, if there's a will, there's going to be a way that you're going to get in some way, shape, or form. So I mean, either it's like going into your parents' cabinet where it used to be, it's like, OK, if we take some of the vodka and put it back with water, they'll never know. They always knew.
1: They always knew. <laughs> yes, they did. Um.
0: Yeah, I can remember one time I got back and my dad was like, yeah, you did a pretty good job cleaning up the house, but you owe me a 12-pack of beer. I was like, 20 bucks, pop, no problem, there you go. It's like, don't think your mom realized it. It was like, shoot, here we go, that's fine. Uh, yeah, no, because I, I look at it that way, because out here, I think that's one of the big worries is like, well, if it's legal, then everybody's going to be getting it. And it's like, eh, it's going to be like anything else. Alcohol's legal, cigarettes are legal. I grew up in a time where if you had a note from your parents, you could go buy them a pack of cigarettes for mm-hmm. your phone. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah, I and I I just don't know if there's any good way of ever really, truly getting that out. Because I I honestly think that like, it's true of almost anything and any substance. Those that want it are going to find a way of getting it. Because as long as there's a market for it, there's always going to get it. And my whole philosophy on it, and I don't know if you would agree with this is like just legalize it all and then tax the living bejesus out of it. Because if you're looking for something, where would you rather go down to the corner store where you know, you're going to get exactly what it is you're looking for. Or would you rather go down to the shady house in the corner of the street, pay your money and not know really what it is you're getting. You Uh, would be,
1: you'd be surprised how many times that conversation comes up in law enforcement of whether, you know, make it all you know marijuana. It's a death sentence, or you know what? Legalize everything and just see what happens. Um, I, the harder stuff, the meth, the heroin stuff like that. Uh, it leads to such a hard, bad um, lifestyle, if you will. Yeah. And even no. if it even if it was legal, I think you'd still see a lot of the same the same issues um, with the crime and everything else because it. If you were to snap your fingers and drugs went away, I probably wouldn't have a job (laughs) because unfortunately, most of it is folks trying to burglarize your home or steal things so they can sell them so they can get the money for for the drugs and back and forth. And most of those folks who are using, there, there are a handful that I have seen that they hold a decent job, they do okay, they have an addiction and some of them can get help, some of them can't. Um, but for the most part, that's a very small, small proportion. So I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. Um, it's, it's when you actually dig into it and you're around it as much as we are, um, the, the people who are using you, it's like walking through Walmart. You might have a a lawyer in Walmart. You might have a doctor, you might have construction worker, you might have a school teacher, you might have a nurse. And when you kind of get into the drug world, it's almost identical. Mm -hmm. You don't really know. So, I don't really know. I don't really know what the answer is. Uh, Most of us in law enforcement, it's such a mixed bag of opinions. Um, You know, weed, I had no issue with weed. It's weed, it's marijuana, it's whatever.
0: As an ER nurse, (laughs) give me a room, give me a (laughs) lobby full of stone people waiting to be seen over a lobby full of like drunk people waiting to be seen. Mm -hmm. I'll take, I think, went and polled every ER on the planet. 95% of them would be like, I'll take the stone guy over the drunk guy mm-hmm. any day of the week.
1: Any, yeah. And yeah, I haven't had to fight a stone guy yet. <laughs> <laughs> so that should probably tell you a little bit. Yeah, I was like,
0: ah. yeah. probably more like, huh? really? Fuck, oh, damn it! All right, yeah, okay, we're good. No, like because we would have conversations in the ER. It was like, we used to be like. I wonder if any, and if we were thinking about it, I'm sure it's been thought about across almost every ER across the country, but we would be like talking to one of the docs and be like, what do you think it would take to in, like invent an Ativan nebulizer that we could like just put out a little mist out into the lobby every once in a while, just to kind of keep people calm and relaxed? Mm-hmm. You know, not really giving them a medication, but just enough to take the edge off uh, so they're not so <laughs> the <trying> <laughs> while they're waiting. Mm-hmm because we were seeing like 300 people a day and times like we're triaging people, people like, um, how long until my husband's going to be seen? I'm like, have they been triaged yet? And they're like, no. And I'm like, how long have you been here? And they're like, oh, about almost an hour. And I'm like, we should be getting to the triage part almost right now. After that, I got no idea because we were, it was so bad. Someone called in and like said, like one of the nurses and I don't know who it was called in and filed like a a hazardous work environment with the fire department saying that we were blocking like fire exits and everything else. So the fire marshal ended up coming down for the County. And we had a no divert policy in the County for ambulances. And he came down, he's like, I'm putting you guys on divert. So we went on divert. And then one of the executives came down and was like, we can't go on divert, took us off divert. And the fire marshal found out we were off divert, came back down, asked who took us off divert, put him up there. And he's like, look, I'm putting you on divert. You guys are way too overloaded right now to take any more patients. Other hospitals aren't this bad off right now. And he goes, and if you take yourself off divert again, I'm going to come down here and start handing out like tickets for fire code violations, like they're candy. Do we have an understanding? And he was like, all right, we were on divert for like eight hours and it was absolutely glorious. And we still saw, I think it was like 297 people that day in a 24 hour period it was like we didn't have an ambulance for eight hours i don't know what's this like because we always we get 40 to 50 ambulances a day i think on average and it's like you no know, code blue's coming through the door just rolling off where you got paramedics going in i was like oh my god i don't know what we're doing but yeah it's as an er nurse it's like you do see a lot of the side effects because you get the people that come in that have been methed out for four or five days haven't slept don't know what's going on I mean, they come in and you look at their feet and their feet are just basically like swamp foot getting ready to like go off and they're just you don't know how they're going to act so you're always on guard you're always making sure you got a way out of the room or out, out what's going on the heroin guys we would usually only see if there was an overdose I And mean, a lot of the times with the overdose it was because they'd quit for a while and then they went back to using or they got something that was being cut with fentanyl, especially. And then, yeah, alcohol, you'd always get the people that drink too much or the chronic alcoholics that would come in and be all suicidal when they were completely mm-hmm. lambasted. And then the moment they served up, oh, no, I'm fine. And it's like, thank you for making my life hell for the last 12 hours. It was great. Go go have fun. <laughs> oh, it's, and it's one of those things. It's like, uh, as long as we were able to tax them. Because I'm I'm like, and I say this kind of jokingly, but I'm like, you don't see the Mexican cartels trying to smuggle Corona across the border because there's no money in it. And if you legalized it and said, no, you need to be like, this is if you want to supply us, this is what you got to do. I think you would see a lot of the crime, especially south of the border, probably negate itself out because eventually one of them would be able to buy their way through the rest of them instead of just having it be physical violence all the time with what's going on because mexico is nuts i don't think people realize just how bad it is
1: down there never been down there don't want to go down there we 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 hear about it enough up here and i i know plenty of people that go down there have a great time and i'm like i just i'll i'll stay up here
0: yeah no it's like i think if you stay in the resorts areas you're fine but yeah no it's like i I don't know how the government is surviving in there when it's basically been a full fledged war. It seems like for about the last 15, 20 years going on down there. And it's like, I just heard a story when I was driving where they found like another 45 bodies, like of a bus that like disappeared coming home from a factory or something like that. And I'm like, what were these people doing they're like well we think it might have been a drug front for somebody someplace and the other ones got wind of it and decided not to, and i was like you got to figure most of those people were just going there to work the telework job that they had and had no idea what was going on because they're not getting paid for it
1: but no, stuff like that's actually way more common than most people most people understand
0: oh yeah no it's I forget what it was, but it's like 150,000 people have died in the drug wars down there in like the last 10 years or something like that. And I'm like, that's three times as many people as we lost in Vietnam. And those are people basically, I mean, yeah, some of them are playing the game and know what they're getting into, but a lot of them are just caught in the crossfire or wrong place, wrong time. And -and so-and-so is doing something, but yeah, no, um, For mental health-wise, like you say, it's more, you're more worried about the person behind it. What would, like, and I know we're asking, like, if you had a magic wand, what would you do to try and solve the problem? Or what are some of your takes on it? Because you're coming from a different viewpoint than a lot of people out there with the law enforcement background.
1: So some stuff that we've had actually a a couple local companies that have uh, popped up and they're their own, their own businesses, their own entities, but. Um, they kind of stepped up and filled that gap because for years and years and years, the only option was to take them to jail. And that doesn't really solve anything. If somebody has uh, actual cognitive mental health, uh, I don't like saying the term issue, but something something going on, clearly diagnosed. And a lot of people don't have the the, the money to go see a doctor um, to get a diagnosis or family or somebody else thinks, well, it's just, that's just Joe, you know, Joe's just that way. Um, and so they almost learned to, to live with it <clears throat> and not to say it can't be lived with, but you know, you know what I mean? And so what these companies did is they've come in and acted kind of like a third party. So if we, uh, get a call about some of your contacts, some of your whatnot, <clears throat> and we're talking to them and we think that maybe, Maybe there is a mental health uh, situation going on. We call them out and there are trained uh, mental health experts of some level that they actually come out to see with us. They'll talk to this person, ask them questions, whether they're maybe they're suicidal. What, what's going on? Why do you want to hurt yourself? Um, maybe they have schizophrenia and they've been off their medication for you know a month or two and they're kind of sliding downhill. They'll see that. And then with that, the state passed. Um, we just refer to it as a Title 36 in Arizona. Um, It's an involuntary committal. Mm -hmm. So being all those pieces put together, we transport them to the local hospital where they have doctors evaluate them. It is a a committal. So you're you're on a a hold, usually 48 to 72 hours. And they'll do an evaluation. They'll have the counselors, the uh, psychologists, everybody come in, talk to them, kind of see what's going on. And then... That, that entity, that company specifically does have resources, but if it's something they can't handle or can't take on, they have other resources that they can divert you to. So we have had great success uh, with these companies. There's three or four now uh, up here in the county, five, maybe five now. Um, we need something, we call them. They have a, it's a crisis response team will come out. They'll do their thing. If they are compliant, maybe they're just having a bad day, they'll give them a ride. If it's somebody who might be physical or something significant, we'll give them a ride to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, they go in through the ER, they get checked in, do an intake, and then, uh, they go do their thing. So we've had a lot of great success with that. Um, keeping people out of jail, don't need to be in jail. Um, sometimes things happen if it's, if it's really, truly violent in nature, somebody's trying to stab somebody cause they're hallucinating. That's, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, <laughs> It's a little, it's a little, it's a little different, but, uh, (laughs) it's just Joe being Joe. It's (laughs) fine. Joe being Joe. Um, but, uh, I I can't say how many calls that I've, I've gotten out to where somebody was, you know, suicidal, where, whether they're getting ready to jump or had a gun or getting ready to hang themselves, whatever. And we've called these folks and they've been able to come out and get these people the help they need. Um, it's, it's been, it's been really great. And I think, uh, other, Towns, counties, cities in Arizona are starting to kind of adopt this. And it's it's been pretty pretty successful. And nothing's 100%, obviously, but it's better than, well, we have no other option. Throw them in jail, they get out the next day, and or they try to fight the, the detention officers in the jail, and then they may get beat up and tased and everything else. And It really it doesn't really solve the problem. Um, yeah.
0: Now, um, are they, like, contracted with the county, or are they just kind of...
1: They are contracted, <clears throat> excuse me, with the local law enforcement agencies. So um, they go through the whole "who are you" the background process. You're legit. You're not just, well, you know, Jimmy on the sh- on the street with a with a sign. Um, and there, there is a whole uh, certification process and all kinds of stuff in place for them.
0: Okay. No, and I'm I'm assuming since you said you're basically because you're in more of a rural area, there's a pretty significant um, veteran population out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how familiar you are, you are with like the big plague on the veterans right now, which is the suicide issue of 22 a day of us and those, well. they basically have no other option about except just saying, Oh, that's a suicide. Cause they can't rule it an accidental death. They can't do anything else with it. Um, have you responded to a lot of, especially like with the younger generation, the Iraq, Afghanistan vets. and you been out to a lot of those homes where you've had to respond to suicide calls?
1: Yes. Um, it usually hits pretty home, close to home because most of my friends are vets. Um, current military, former military, former military, now law enforcement. Um, you know, a couple of guys I work with at a couple of agencies were deployed. In Iraq, Afghanistan multiple times my best friends was deployed um, in the Marine Corps. I am in a name drop now. Um, so along with, I got in touch with 22 zero through um, disgruntled vets, disgruntled veterans. Uh, my buddy is actually one of the founding members of that, of that page and those, those guys. And uh, they're kind of an outreach program and um, Hey, uh, I'm having XYZ problems. They'll get in touch with you and try to find the resources in your area. So I was still working with the County agency and I get a call from him, like I think it was midnight or one in the morning and I was working and I'm like, why are you calling me? Because he is uh, lives in Nebraska now, and so it's three or four. I'm like, why are you awake? I call him. He's like, hey, we just had one of our our, our guys post on Facebook through the disgruntled vets page. Basically, uh, goodbye, I love you guys, can't do this anymore kind of a thing. Gave me his information. I said, hey, he's going to be this local agency's jurisdiction. Um, I said, give them a call. <clears throat> He calls them. They go out to the house while well, this guy is literally the rope is tied and he's getting ready to step in the rope. And they're able to get in the house, get him down, use that third party like I was telling you about to mm-hmm. get him some resources. And uh, he's he's still, I've, I've heard he's still around today. So um, stuff like that's really awesome when we can do it. Um, recently, we had a, a mother come in because her son, similar issues, deployed, um refused to talk to anybody to get help so gave her um the information for disgruntled vets and for 22-0 and uh I, I haven't heard back from her which I guess is a good thing because you know she she gave into the office on her own because things weren't good and she hasn't been back so I take that <laughs> as a positive and we haven't gotten a
0: call call to go to the house so uh have you been through the Twenty Two Zero program I have okay and um like I got through some stuff, and I can I I know there's still more stuff that I've been through that I've got to work through with it. Um, but I was like at the two hour mark, and like I know people that were like, yeah, I slept for three days, and I'm like, well, I didn't sleep for three days. I can tell you, I didn't want to get out of bed because I still felt like I was tired the next day after going through my first one. I was like, no, yeah, I could probably sleep for another four or five hours and yeah no
1: I I slept for 13 or 14 hours
0: yeah no I I zonked out usually earlier than I did and I think I was up once or twice because like on any given night three or four of the dogs are in the bedroom and you can only they're gonna wake you up at some point because one of them wants to come up and lick you in the face just to say good night you're like dude go lay down um but, yeah, the next morning, my alarm went off. I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to get up and do anything right now. I just want to lay back down. And like, my wife came up and was like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I hit snooze. It's going to go off in, like, 10 more minutes. <laughs> I was just still in bed. I'm like, I just want to go back to sleep. I'm not ready to get up and do anything. And not in a bad way. It was just like, but you're, you could feel your body release mm-hmm. enough that you're just, you were just no. so tired at the end of it. And I'm like, and then walking around the camping because it was I don't know, a half mile to the, the one place where you could dump your trash on the campground where we were at, because I don't know how many spots they had up there. And I'm just like walking along, and I'm like, kind of realized, I'm like, I'm not really thinking about too much and right now. I'm just kind of enjoying the moment. I'm not like thinking about stuff I got to do. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just like walking along with my bag of trash, getting ready to go to the composter, and then tossed it in, walked back, looking at the RVs going, what what they're telling that one. Oh yeah no that that one's got a 3500 in front of it that's not going to get the 1500s not going to be telling that one anywhere because <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like i know what i can tow with my weight and everything else and i'm like ah. yeah but yeah no we cut it short a day because I was like the wife's back was shot after yesterday i woke up this morning i'm like yeah no this ain't gonna work because it's like the old meme I've seen. It's a, it's, it's like, pain is just weakness leaving the body, and unless you serve, then it's probably arthritis. It's probably arthritis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, definitely arthritis, because the knees <laughs> pop, the shoulders pop. I sound like a bag of Rice Krispies trying to get going in the morning. I'm like, just give me coffee and I'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm sure law enforcement. Takes a toll on the body, especially after you guys been doing it as much because you're you're after
1: Yeah, back when you're when you're new, you're like, oh man, is this is this gonna be a fight? This could be exciting. And now I'm like, no, no, we're I'm we're not fighting, not doing. (laughs) (laughs) Can we can we talk about this? Like, I got time. I got coffee. Let's. I don't I don't want this.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, no, too old for this shit
1: anymore. I just where's the new guy? Where's give me the new guy over here? Hey, go go get some.
0: Like, hey, come on over. It's like I had a one of my old soldiers. I loved him to death. Wish I had, like if I would have had a hundred of them, I don't think there wasn't anything we couldn't have gotten done in about six to seven hours. But trying to keep him on task was one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. It's like, dude, I love you to death. I love your enthusiasm, but you can't try to do everything. Because then, when it's time to do the one thing you're supposed to be doing, and you're not doing it because you're so tired because you've been doing everything else, the only thing people are going to remember is that you weren't doing the one thing you were supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. Doesn't matter what else you did, but it was like you needed somebody to go learn how to do something. Korsky, come on, get you going, because yeah, he would do it in a heartbeat. It was great.
1: We've um, got one of those. We have one of those. It's I love the guy to death, but he's yeah, he's
0: kind of paying the ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get him on some ADD medication, probably change him right around and be like, oh my God, this is what focus and
1: attention feels like. He wouldn't know what to do with himself.
0: Yeah. No, because uh, yeah, I finally got on ADD meds after, oh, 48 years. And people were like, ah, oh, you know, it could be PTSD. I'm like, nope, pretty sure it was ADD, just not being treated because I went off of them for three days before we'd like, what was it? Forty? I didn't take them for 48 hours before my 1st twenty-two-zero 22-0 appointment. And I walked into work the day before, like the day of my appointment. I'm like, oh, today's just going to be rough. And then I was like, up, down, up, left. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. I'm like looking at my staff like, sorry. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, I can't take my ADD meds. So if you see me wandering around looking like I'm lost, it's because I'm literally wandering around looking like I'm lost. Because when you don't need to, like, make a list of every little thing that you're doing, you stop doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I could go down a rabbit hole and start making a list, and then I'd get halfway through my list and squirrel onto something else, and it's just going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm telling you, just <laughs> have him go get diagnosed and get on some meds, and it'd probably be much better, because if I could have well, put some- <laughs> if I could have put worse on meds, I would have been a heartbeat. I would have been like, here, dude, just take these. But yeah, now those meds are highly controlled. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you, you don't need them, you really don't need them. But oh God, he could have used them. <laughs> no, oh, but yeah, no. Um, I would love to see like the organizations that you're talking about. I would love to see just the like local governments have the resources to be able to put those into where you didn't have to rely on a private company to be able to do that to where it would be more universal. I think, unfortunately, that people are realizing that the resources, I don't know if we can ever rely on the government to be able to unscrew themselves enough to uh, (coughs) straight again to Stop acting in their own self-interest and start acting in the self-interest of the people that actually elected them again.
1: I couldn't have put it better. I I, <laughs> yeah, I, I got nothing. I yeah. I'm <laughs> um,
0: I know as a vet, the January 6th thing was a very, very hard thing to watch. To Because it wasn't like you saw a bunch of American flags and people going over there. You saw a bunch of flags basically highlighting a single individual that regardless of where you politically lie, it was the first time that I can ever remember since the Civil War that there was an actual concerted effort to interrupt the peaceful transition of uh, power from one president to another. And even in the Civil War, they never stormed the Capitol building. They just seceded from the Union at a state level. And yeah, there was a war fought and a lot of people died. And You know, you would think that we wouldn't go back to those things again, but it seems like we're we're quickly reapproaching those things again. I'm just like, what the fuck happened? We used to have conversations about like if you wanted to get rid of racism, just have people marry someone that wasn't from their background for like three generations, and everybody's going to be so mixed up, no one's going to know or care anymore. But yeah, I'm like, I don't get it because my whole thing feel like.
1: uh... I feel like most of the issues are the mo- almost the more you acknowledge it, the more steam you give it. And if we just were people are people,
0: yeah, no, I'm like, it
1: just rolls over.
0: I'm like, why are we raging war for generations? It was against minorities. Now it's against people that no longer decide to love somebody the same way that the largest group does which is like okay i'm like i don't care it's like i've had i have gay friends i have i'm like people were like what do you think about gays in the military i'm like have you ever seen the inside of a barracks it is probably one of the most gay things that you could ever imagine and it's not because people are gay it's because that's just the way a bunch of guys when they get together act and yeah it's can be pretty, but i'm like i don't care i'm like i knew enough gay people by that point i'm like it's not like they're going to be like oh i'm going to turn you gay because it just doesn't work that way mm-hmm. like i've had gay guys hit on me i'm like thank you because if a gay guy's hitting on you you're probably doing something right
1: hey I, okay well that's good to know
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's like <laughs> all right yeah i'm like good yeah, yeah. still not going to change my mind but yeah no oh, thank you I'm Appreciate it. thank you <laughs> I don't care. Um, it's like I got um some of my old soldiers that I'm still friends with are transgendered, and I'm like, I could care less. My main concern was are you going to do your job when I need you to do your job? Um, and I think assholes are still assholes, and they still come in every race, creed, color, mm-hmm. and religion. It doesn't matter. Um And it's like, I'm not a very religious person, but me and my wife are basically of the whole thing of our main goal as parents is just to raise good human beings that will treat other human beings with respect and kindness. Absolutely. They can do that. I'll be like, okay, now just don't do anything
1: really, really stupid. Slightly stupid? Okay. Really stupid? Not.
0: (laughs) Okay. Don't do the really stupid stuff. Learn from my mistakes. Yep. (laughs) Cause it's like, why don't you go into law enforcement? I'm like, ah, that ship sailed, and I was a, uh, a younger man, and decided to make a bad decision and got behind the wheel of a car on the uh, St. Patty's Day, and yep, you know. But I did my time, I did my stuff, I went to all my things, and yeah, no, it is what it is, and it's like I understand what you're talking about with like the marijuana thing. It's like, like I remember, yeah, two hours never usually seemed to be enough time to make sure you were ever feeling okay to get behind the wheel after doing anything with marijuana not that I yeah like I still remember when I was joining the army um because I went in when I was 30 so I was already pretty old and got nicknamed old man of basic which then followed me into medic training because 132 of us went to go be medics out of my basic training battery and <laughs> I was going to maps and they're like you ever smoked marijuana I was like yeah I mean I'm older I've done it a few times so like how many times I'm like I don't know 40 45 which was drastically lower than what was probably the truth. And my recruiter looks at me and goes, are you trying not to join the Army? And I'm like, no, what do you mean? He goes, you, re- you realize that they're not supposed to let you in if you said you've done it more than three times. And I was like, well, that would have been something you probably should have told me before I went to my MEPS interview.
1: You might want to lead with that
0: one. I'm like, you probably should have told me that when he was like, ah, and he's like, that's ah, it's okay. At this point, we need everybody. So I was like, that's how I got in with stars on the knee they're like just no airborne for you and they put that on my entry contract and i was like damn it yeah there went all the fun stuff because i had friends that went to airborne they're like you would love it here i'm like yeah you know,
1: jumping out of a perfectly good airplane i had mixed feelings about that i don't
0: know um i think i would have enjoyed doing it if i could have gotten to the point where i wasn't stuck in necessarily one of the airborne units but if I could have taken the training, because I had rangers look at me like, yeah, you you could have gone to ranger school. And I'm like, I like to eat too much. <laughs> I <I'm like, laughs> really, really like my food. But, you know, I mean, it, it was what it was. I ended up doing what I did and came back home. But, um, yeah, that's the one thing. And I don't know if it's the same with law enforcement, but. I can only imagine that there's a part of you that like you see the world differently. That when you're talking to someone that has no military or sub- or law enforcement background, and you say something, they just look at you like, "What do you mean?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah, I'm not in Kansas anymore."
1: <laughs> well, the uh, law enforcement, and the military has a lot of crossover and a lot of the I'll call it humor. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities and crossover in there, and a lot of uh, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the office things things happen yeah So,
0: no, um what was it like today we were breaking down camp because i was looking at my wife and i'm like i don't know if you're gonna you or me are gonna be able to take another night on that that bunk and she's like yeah no and i'm like well i got the interview at three it's a two-hour drive to get back home um if we can break it down and get on the road by about 11 i can hit the dump station and she's like okay and we were kind of getting into it because things were getting a little heated. And I'm like, look, I don't need 47 steps to the plan. I just need to know what the, what the end goal is, and then just tell me to go, and I'll figure out a way of making it happen. And I'm pretty sure in law enforcement it's kind of the same way. It's like, it ain't stupid if it works.
1: Well, you know, there's a lack of logic sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah, no, the infantry taught me that one. It's like, never underestimate the... The power of intelligent individuals to do really stupid things in large groups, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think that's true of almost anything. It's like you can learn that. Yeah, you can take some really, really smart individuals, put them together in a large group, and for some reason, one of the stupidest things that's going to happen is what everybody's going to go with. And you're like,
1: yeah, what? I I still don't. I don't. I don't know. I I could talk about that for hours. (laughs) Just we. All we wanted was a trash can. Now we have a stainless steel box that (laughs) I just need a trash can. (laughs) It talks to you and tells you whether or not the thing you just put in it was appropriate for that. Why do I need to plug in a trash can? I just.
0: Because this one's got all these features to it. Yeah, I just found out like last week that apparently our fridge has Wi Fi to let you know when the filter's going bad. And there's an app that you can get on your phone that will tell you when to change out the water filter on it. And I'm like, all right, good to know. Not something that's going to change my life in any way, shape, or form. I don't need to have my t- my fridge telling me which TV shows no. are on TV. I'm like, I, gotta, I got an iPhone for that. And that's really what I need the iPhone for, is to try and keep myself straight, which I still miss half my stuff, it seems like, because it only took us, what, four or five shots to actually
1: get this it, and, Yeah, it took, took <laughs> it
0: took a few. Yeah, no, because the last one, it was like, I don't know if you saw it, where it was like, I saw it, I looked at my phone, I thought it was three in the afternoon, I'm like, it says three in the morning. Yeah, I really hope he wasn't on there waiting for me at three this morning, because I did not show up for that appointment, and so I thought I'd missed you. And then I get to sleep. I'm like, well, damn it. I saw that one too late to make a difference on that one, but uh, everything works out sometimes. Or it goes horribly wrong, but then usually, you still
1: fix it. You still fix it after it goes wrong. You just got to do it yourself.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Um, or just get to a point where you can pay other people to do it for you.
1: That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, That's smart words.
0: Yet, but we do have kids, so I can tell them to do it and then sometimes go back and redo it after they get done doing it. So it is what it is. Um, No, I just think it's interesting that like when you have conversations like this, even though we come from a different background, you've got the don't tread on me thing because you're strong in the second amendment. I'm like, second amendment's probably not the one that I'm most interested in. I'm could, i like, you get a license to drive a car, I have no problem having it to be where you had to get a license to buy a gun. Um, actually, Hawaii is like that in a lot of ways, where you got to get through it. And I, yeah, one point two million people on an island, and I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot of gun violence. I mean, it still happens, but it's not like what you would see in other major metropolitan areas. I think there, I mean, people still beat the crap out of each other, and people can still get stabbed and stuff, and had that happen quite a few times but yeah no um yeah it's it's weird you can bring people together and in a world where it seems like it's so polarized now that if the moment someone has a slight disagreement with someone it's like oh well i'm right you're wrong we can't have a conversation about it And i'm like all i want to do is have a conversation about stuff and bring people together and give people help Oh, hundred hundred percent let's
1: Let's talk about it. I feel like the world has lost the skill of having a conversation. Yeah, we we don't have to agree. It doesn't mean we're horrible people, or we should be, you know, at odds, getting a fistfight over <clears throat> over it. And I think when you have a conversation, you actually become more intelligent as you start to talk and learn the other person's side and what they're saying. And, I think uh, that's something that I, I I personally try to do between law enforcement, my business, my fiance, converse, uh, con- talking is very important. I mean, <laughs> <communication> <laughs> is very important. Um, yes, I'm my wife always the best. um, and, uh, you know, talking to people cause you're, you're going to learn more from having conversations with people you don't agree with than you do agree with because you're just re- repeating the same information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it's. I think. I think it's very important. I think it's something that that's going away, and it, it makes me sad. And just like you know, in law enforcement, not all of everybody in law enforcement is some right wing conservative. I'm you know X Y Z. You get people all areas of the spectrum. Um, and guess what? At the end of the day, we all have each other's backs. You know, and we have to go into that house. We're all we got. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're left or right or somewhere in between. Um, I've worked with some fantastic cops who were gay. I've worked with um, fantastic cops of different colors and races, and they're all fantastic people. And when you actually, you know, we kind of sit down and we talk, and you hear, you're like, "Well, oh, that makes sense. i never thought of that that way." So, I think I think there needs to be more open dialogue between people, and you need to remove this. Uh, I'm right, you're wrong, <clears throat> and. Like I said, independent libertarian, man, leave me alone. <laughs> I leave you alone and we'll figure it
0: out. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I think for me, it's more, it deals with what is the issue that you're talking about? It's like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I would say I'm pretty moderate. I don't lean too far left. I don't lean too far right. I would say for a lot of things, I'm definitely more left leaning. Like I do believe that the, uh, you know, taxing corporations and individuals that can afford to be taxed yeah they should be paying a fair share going towards it because they can afford it a hell of a lot more than the rest of us can um and i think that was one of the reasons why there was such a high standard of living in the united states especially after world war ii is because we didn't have a big free money grab everybody was like well i could make more money but then i'm just going to pay more taxes on it so i might as well put this someplace where it's going to do a lot more lot more use. I mean, look, I look at it this way. Ford came up with one of the best cars of all time at a time where like the corporate tax rate was 90% on profits. So imagine what they would be doing now with some of these companies that are making these, what, 1.2 billion in profits and barely paying any taxes. I'm like, yeah, they'd be, putting all that into benefits and pay and everything else because it wouldn't be doing it. I'm like, I'd like to see pensions come back for large
1: corporations. I'd like to see pensions come back. I know our pension in Arizona is, well, I'll put it to this way. I have to do 25 years where all my predecessors did 20 and they showed the scale. I think it was like a month or two ago. If you reach about that 75,000 a year mark, which used to be pretty, that's not bad. That's not bad Mm -hmm. money. Um, with the housing in Arizona right now, that's, uh, that's a single wide trailer, the <laughs> of nowhere now. Um, but if you did your 25 and retired, you're getting about 24,000 a year or less. So the, the retirements for law enforcement, first responders are tanking real bad. Um, pensions are almost not existent around here anymore. It's, uh, it's getting a little rough.
0: Yeah, no, um, they did the same thing with the military where they lessened the, uh used to do, you do your 20 and you'd get half or whatever it was. Reserves and National Guard were always a little different because of how you served. But it, uh, now it's like you go in if you do 20 coming in now, you don't get the 50% of your base pay at the end of it because now they're doing it to where you can take part of a 401k out with you. But the problem is, it's like if you've seen what a private living in the barracks makes a month, who is going to have enough money to be able to put into that effectively just so that you're actually able to like grow that nest egg going out? And I think that's the the issue is that the pay scales for those types of investments and putting them on an individual aren't where they're at. Like up here, people are making $17 an hour as minimum wage in Oregon especially in the Portland area, but you'd almost have to still be working 70 hours a week to be able to support yourself making 15 bucks, 17 bucks an hour. And that's the thing that I don't think people realize. It's like I was saying it five years ago. I'm like, yeah, hey, one of the greatest things we've done is still convince people $80,000 a year is a really good paying job. Because it's not, not uh-huh. anymore. Um, are people surviving on a lot less? Yes. But if you look at what people were making... 40 years ago and compare it to what they're making now. People are living on a lot less and expected to do a lot more with it without the safety nets that were in place with what they were making before working for those corporations, doing those things. And unions had a lot to do with that. Granted, there was a lot of corruptions in the unions because organized crime had done it. But I mean, we've kind of destroyed the mafia in the United States. It's now being taken over by, outside entities that are just functioning inside the United States in that vacuum. Absolutely. Don't have the same kind of uh, political pull that the mafia used to be able to exert, it seems like.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely transitioned, especially in the last decade, of who who actually has to control. Um, and even, you know, even in uh, in law enforcement, the the stuff that we used to be able to do can do now the unions used to be a thing now they're kind of dying out now there's third party unions which you're hit or miss if they do anything for you um you've got the you know the firefighters who have their own whole uh, stuff they're dealing with um as far as as all that but uh, you know i know the county agency i worked for before i was here they hadn't had any kind of pay raises in over a decade it was 12 years and then just recently, they started to see the raises come back and cost of living and everything else. And <clears throat> I remember working there. I was, I was broke half the time, um, you know, making $24 an hour wearing, wearing a gun and a vest. And um, I'm doing way better where I'm at now. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard when you're in law enforcement. You're expected to protect everybody and protect the community and do, do this job but you get home. And at the time I was renting a room, I couldn't even afford a house. And, uh, I was, is this worth it? And as more and more people find out, it's not really worth it. Your law enforcement starts to dwindle. Things start to, you know, go South as far as your neighborhoods and the crime and everything else. Mm -hmm. And then you end up in this downward spiral all because of taxes and money and, um, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that the dollars really outweighed safety, security, uh, medical and, and everything else.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm of the thing that if you're an elected official, unless you like had a business before you became one, you shouldn't be able to really walk out of anything while you're doing it. No making more money <clears throat> than what you should be doing. No. Um, and I just think the polarization in politics is one of the worst things. It's like people, I, I think they forget that America was never designed to be a two-party system.
1: No, it was not.
0: And that we've only really been a two-party system for about the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, And that if we weren't a two-party system, I don't think we would see this polarization. Mm. And I almost think now with like, The way that the GOP has kind of gone off the rails just completely so far to the right um, that we now see America for the first time in a long time. And I was kind of hoping that like in 2000 that like Nader would get enough votes, not that I ever thought he would be the president, but because I was really hoping we could get a third party into politics and now. Because the Republicans and the Democrats aren't stupid. They keep raising what the minimum requirement is for a national election in order for that party to get nationally recognized. And then they get across the ballots in every state across the country. And I really think that, like, if you see a true splintering of what the Republican Party is and you find one that's almost going to kind of go back towards the libertarian type thing mm-hmm. of small government, mm-hmm. if people aren't bothering us, let's not bother them. Because we don't really care what it is, who you want to love, how you want to do, what's going on. Well, let's make sure that we basically are fiscally responsible, i.e. we could probably cut like a good third out of the defense budget because the only people that are going to suffer for that would be the defense contractors that are reaping those benefits because it's not going to the soldiers, sailors and airmen and Marines right now. And we spend so much ungodly amounts of money that, yeah, we could probably take 300 billion and put that someplace else and have it do just as well as what we're doing. Um, yeah, no, it's, we just need to bring, it's like, we just got to get common sense back into stuff.
1: Oof. The one thing that's not common.
0: Oh yeah. No, if it was common, but like, I had a guy that incredibly intelligent and I just used to look at him and I actually said to him once because he said something and I was just like, oh, my God. I looked at him and I was like, how have you gotten to this point in your life and not been hit by a bus? And he was like, what? And I'm like, how have you not been hit by a bus? And he's like, what? I'm like, because you have absolutely no common sense. Like, I could see you just walking off the curb and getting
1: hit by a bus.
0: And I would be like, "Eh,
1: eh, eh, it's
0: par for the course for him.
1: Didn't we didn't we say something about having a license to have children? Oh,
0: well. Um
1: well <laughs> the same thing.
0: I think even then I have met like I've seen some incredibly intelligent people that have absolutely no common sense and I've seen some people that may not be as intelligent that were able to have like just this outstanding thing of common sense of like yeah no that's a stupid way of doing it you can do it this way and I'm like yeah, because people's minds work in different ways, but yeah, now I look at some people, I'm just like, oh my god, because I just have no idea what it is that they're trying to accomplish with what it is they're trying to do at a given time. And I, I used to say that like common sense, especially in the military, because it's like I could run fast until I was about 36, and then after that, yeah, just slow decline to a point now where I'm like. 11 minute mile. I'm good with that. I can, I'm good. I can
1: almost walk that. Um, No, I, I agree with, with kind of what you said, you know, the, the left has gone so far left, the right has gone so far right. I think most of us are kind of stuck in the middle going, well, where do we fit in? Cause I'm not right and I'm not left. So I I think having a third party, would be fantastic. Cause you know, my, my mother was uh, very uh, democratic and my dad was very conservative and kind of like we talked about, you think, well, that should never mesh. Well, you know, 35 years ago it meshed fine. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it, it was different, but it wasn't different. Now I don't think that would mesh at all with just the way everybody is. But my mom's like, well, based on what they're saying, I'm, I'm a conservative now. And I'm like, no mom, you're whatever you are. <laughs> like You're, <laughs> whatever believe what you want to believe don't don't put yourself into a party because the parties are so wrecked and going all over the place that um I said I kind of found myself in the libertarian standpoint of I don't want anybody telling me what to do either side um live, live your life if you're an American you should have the freedom to do that
0: yeah no and I, I I agree with that I think as long as you're not causing harm to anybody else go do what you, go do what you yeah. want to go do yeah. and, Chances are, you're going to go do it anyway.
1: Pay your taxes, don't do math. <laughs> <laughs> if only that was
0: the one thing. That know. was the one thing. <laughs> that, But that is, honestly, I mean, that is some life advice that not a lot of people have followed up on. Yep. Like, just pay your taxes and don't do math. You're, you're probably going to be okay. You're probably going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, Um. because, I mean, even at the VA, it's like, I was sitting there one time and I had somebody come in and this is when you're like, okay, yeah, no, the common sense question definitely just went out the window on this whole visit. And he was like, well, I thought I had ADD. So what I did is I couldn't get a prescription for any ADD medication. So I thought I would just, you know, take a little bit of meth, very, very strategically like laid out, like, no, I'm only gonna do this much and just see if it helped my ADD. And he's like, and it really seems to be helping. And I'm like, because that's what everybody that does meth says at the beginning. And then at some point, they're gonna be like, uh no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just gonna
1: come just a little more, just a little more, <laughs> just a little
0: more. And I'll be so much better if I it's like Steve Martin at the end of the jerk. All I need is this lamp, and I'll be okay. I'm going to be just fine. All I need is this lamp and this chair and this ashtray, and I'm going to be just fine. And it's like, uh, okay. But again, that's a reference to a movie that would not play well in today's day and age.
1: There's a few of those, the good ones.
0: Well, Blazing Saddles,
1: one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. No, Steve Martin had probably the greatest line ever uttered in a movie. And just it, the way it was, like it's, highly inappropriate but if you're actually watching the jerk and you hear it i don't care what color you are you're probably going to laugh at it because it was from a place where the character he's playing is so just genuinely innocent in that moment and that thing and mm-hmm. in that t- instance that when he utters it it's hilarious because and I, I think you know what line I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like he's sitting there and he's looking at his family and he's like, "Like, mm-hmm. well, son, you know, we got something we got to tell you." It's like we're not your real parents. You mean I'm going to stay this color? And it's like, yes, yes, you are. But it's like, it's actually a really good movie, and it's like I think if people, in a lot of ways, laughed at themselves a little bit more, we'd oh, all. Yeah. be better off but i I also think that like trying to regulate people out of existence is completely apparent and abhorrent and we've seen that happen before and it's never turned out well um for those of you that don't know what i'm talking about just go do a little bit of just do a google search on 1930s germany and i think you'll understand Mm -hmm. what i'm where I'm, i'm going down um it's it is it's to me that like people are so scared of what our history is that they don't even want to have conversations about it anymore and i'm like no it's like america is a great place to be. it's a great country it has a lot of good things going for it but we've also done a lot of terrible things in our history um we've done it to africans with slavery and the slave trade um, we did it to the Native Americans when anytime time I'm like, if you look at how many treaties were broken, the Native Americans weren't the ones breaking them. We would say they did something so we could break them. But for the majority of it, it wasn't there. Look at the illegal annexation of the Hawaiian Islands. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of different things that you can look at that our country has done that have not been great things. But to not talk about those things ever again and to pretend like they didn't exist just opens up the door for us to repeat those things over and again. And that that's where I think the issue without having those conversations is coming up. Because, yeah, to say we're like critical race theory. I don't even know what that means. All I know is that it's a thing about from a legal standpoint and in the law discussion in like amongst lawyers that they came up with to talk about like systemic racism and the benefits that it gave a certain group of people throughout the history of our country yeah i have never heard critical race theory brought up in any history book that i've ever read about anything because it's oh but it becomes a talking point and the next thing you know people are snapping on it like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, drag queens reading books to kids. I'm like, they just want somebody that's going to read them a book. They don't really care who it is because they're going to be like, Daddy, the lady at the library had really tall hair and really bright makeup on their eyes. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Were they doing anything inappropriate? They read me a book. I'm going to say that's probably a no unless it was some really bad book. But... I saw one thing where they passed a law in Utah, and then someone turned it around and used it to ban the Bible out of schools.
1: I didn't hear that one. <laughs> and I was like, "I'll have to read on like, that one."
0: And they pointed out like thirty-eight different instances in the Bible that were either could be considered under the new law, pornographic or violent. Yeah, well, the Bible. I was like kudos on them for turning that one around and because like the author of the bill was like that was not my intention when i authored this bill and we are like oh we know but you know it's really funny in utah that someone did that to you
1: well and there's there's so much stuff that either side is pushing that i think if they took the blinders off for a second if you want this you understand you're actually reinforcing this for everybody and whether it's left or right you're pushing for your own party or your own team, but you're actually pushing for everybody together. So I don't know if you're actually betting anything yourself or not. You might be given common common sense. Let's yeah. let's look at the whole, the whole picture, not just your corner.
0: Yeah, no, because it's like, what was it? Um, like I saw a quote, and this might date when this gets put out, because I think this one's going to air – first week of August sometimes so obviously the sub that just like um, the five rich people that paid like 200 grand to go down and take a look at the Titanic on a touring dive I'm like not until we have like Star Trek force fields am I ever going to go in to do something mm-hmm. like that and I'm like I'm like, that's just natural selection at work and they're like but they had money I'm like just because you're rich doesn't mean you're smart
1: <laughs> you're <smarter>. <laughs> not <laughs> like, at
0: all not getting down on a little submarine and going yeah and what was it? Somebody, um, I, I I just saw a tweet and it was like, apparently somebody in Congress tweeted, how are they going to run out of air if you breathe air in and breathe air out? And I'm like, well, looking at it from one point of view, technically that's correct. They won't run out of air. They just won't have any more air that's breathable after a certain period of time and they will suffocate and die because the air would have all been used up for the oxygen that we need to survive. And we're not- think about,
1: those are the people running our country.
0: I know. It <laughs> makes me think that I should really kind of go buy a house in those districts and maybe run for Congress. And yeah. on a thing of, yeah, this is what I believe. And it's because I've been in places where, yes, I know exactly what these guns are good for. Because... Mm-hmm. You know, You use them in those places to do that job. But um, they're also, like I said, it's also fun to just go fill up a bunch of Coke cans with water and shoot them from a few hundred yards out. Or get really bored at a range and shoot the legs off the uh, standing zeroing targets when they're really, really bored. People are like, What are you doing? I'm like, Nothing. Nothing. It's in the ammo at the end of the day that we got to burn. What am doing? And they're like, "Uh, Why do we have targets falling down? No idea um yeah i've never done that before running a range for 12 16 hours or however long i was out there calling out commands i'm sure you got to go through that at the law enforcement level too or you've all got your Mm -hmm. mandatory range days and
1: yep range days uh scenario days less lethal days dt days oh yeah
0: see uh it's like you know didn't have to worry about that as a medic they didn't let me play with a lot of the fun stuff but every once in a while they'd be like, hey, doc, come on. I mean
1: go I will get- say they, they did dummy proof a lot of stuff. So like the targets now, there's uh giant railroad ties in from them, so you can't shoot the legs off the target. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh they're like, look, we're dealing with cops here. We gotta like, how do we child proof this?
0: Well <laughs> no, trust me, the military's not that much better. Like we used to we had a kid in basic, and basically we went to the grenade range. I think we were exchanging bets on whether or not he'd blow himself up. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, it, and it was, like, seriousness. That we're out there, and we're like, once you throw it, and it's like, came back and like, huh? Huh? I guess that's why they put a drill sergeant with a lot of us, because, I mean, I'm sure there was a few people that they had to buck down, but there was also, like, our live fire drills where we're, doing stuff and like the drill sergeants loved it because that was their day where they got to go out and like lay a lick on somebody and not have any repercussions for it because all you had to do was get up one day to do your rush with your barrel pointing the wrong direction yeah somebody was going to be there to clothesline your ass and take you out and make sure that when they did it gun went one way as you were going the other
1: i can neither confirm nor deny a story about a range master punching a certain police officer in the face for pointing his gun at him. (laughs) May or may not, it was not me. I was not present. but the legend lives on.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, no, uh, I would say it doesn't surprise me at all. I have seen people with more years in the military than I would like to admit that I would never, ever give a weapon to And if we did, it's probably because we were already screwed already. (laughs) Be like, here you go, ma'am. What are you doing? Uh Like, well, we're pretty much after this point. Just point it that direction when you pull the trigger. Because I'm talking, you know, we're shooting 25 meters away, paper targets. And I'm seeing Randall's impact like four and a half feet in front of him. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I never thought I would live to see the day like, I'm, like as medics, we used to take coins and flip them to see who had to pull the nine range, because if somebody was gonna shoot somebody, it was gonna be on the nine range. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with m 4s you got a little <laughs> bit, more, but M9, all it takes is someone who's right-handed, mm-hmm. doesn't know how to pull the, slide that, slide back. And yeah, they're automatically flagging somebody. And I'm like, okay, where's the left-handed shooters? All you guys are going to the right-handed side. Where's your right-handed shooters? All you guys are going over there. Why? Because I'm going to be standing right in between both of you guys while I'm doing my shooting on the nine range. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because that's the safest place I could possibly
1: be. safest place to be. We've got, uh, well, not where I'm at right now, but uh, we've had a few guys in the past, a couple years ago, where we'd have to go in a house. And it was, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. You're by the car on perimeter. You're not. You're not coming. i going to get shot in the back of the head or go through the store. So yeah. definitely, definitely understand that frustration.
0: <laughs> it's like, sure. like we would have grass in some of the ranges, and I never thought I would actually watch, like, the lines going up the grass as people were firing towards targets that were three and a half feet off the ground. I'm like, I am worried any of you ever actually have to do anything in certain areas, but it was also a medical unit, so a lot of them were like old nurses and stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, no, we'll just make sure you all stay back behind, and we'll put all the enlisted out on the convoy patrols or whatever else we got to go do, but yeah, no. Well, I don't want to keep you any longer than I absolutely have to, because it's already been um, an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, wow, that one quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's like, it, I mean, I'm like, ah, our 90 minutes are up. And normally it doesn't seem like it. It's like, oh, we've been talking for a while. And this is the thing I like is that we just have a conversation and we talk about things that we find important and kind of see where the conversation takes us. But um, twenty two zero, I know put us together. I'm going through the program. You've been through the program. I don't think there's enough that can be said for anyone, law enforcement, first responder, fire, military, veteran, if you're having any trouble just go to 22-0 and type in your information and they'll get a hold of you relatively quickly.
1: Absolutely. They were, they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, helped me out a lot. Just real quick on kind of my first three and a half, four years, um, second week of field training, I was in a shooting, um, third, no, excuse me. Fourth week, when we come back, uh, double homicide, um, multiple high speed chases, um, all kinds of stuff. And this was just like my first, like I was in field training, right. Um, <clears throat> get off field training again, more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. You don't really understand how that stuff affects you for a couple of years. And you start to kind of experience some things and kind of see things in the mirror, if you will, that you don't mm-hmm. necessarily like, but we all think, Hey, we just cowboy up through it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I actually left law enforcement for about a year and then went back and, uh, in the long law, law enforcement side, you, you put your Kevlar on you put your vest on, you go out, you do the job, you go home, go to bed and you just keep going. But having that, you know, about that year out, that 10, nine, 10 month mark, well, you can think in that time that you're away. And, uh, that's when kind of everything really hit me. And I was like, I messed up. like Ooh. I'm I'm not good. And, uh, it was all the normal signs. You're not, know, I wasn't sleeping. out increase in alcohol. Um, I started the, the whole, uh, I used to, I used to do this, I used to do that, I used to go, all the things you enjoy doing, you don't do, and uh, had a little bit of a breakdown. Um, my fiance, God bless her, was right there with me, and we'd only been together six months, and somehow she still stayed by my side, which I can't tell you what that means. Um, got a hold of 22-0. Um they reached out to me. I went through the process and I like I said I slept for 13, 14 hours. I woke up the next day and uh texted the um <clears throat> the gentleman who went through the process with, with me and I said, I don't know what kind of voodoo magic you did, but holy crap, I said I slept. I actually feel pretty good today. I went to the gym for the first time in probably two months. Um it really, it really changed my life, and I've, I've uh, had several friends who've been having problems, or still in law enforcement, or former law enforcement, or retired military. Um, they've done the process, and they're absolutely, absolutely believers. So I can't say enough, and it's to a point to where um, I haven't even told them this, and I don't really care what they think. But um, with, with my company, um, we're going to start donating three uh, percent of our profits to them. Um, to help support what they do. Usually we try to help some kind of local charity or whatever events we're doing or whatever's going on, but um three percent is gonna start specifically going to twenty-two zero.
0: Yeah, no, um, cause I think because I started down my road getting all this in the podcast, kind of eventually became um, my medium, because kind of like you, it's like what I, I was doing something, I was doing a 21 interview series. And kind of getting in, which is how I met Dr. Arnell, because I reached out and she agreed to do that. And it was one of those things where it's like, when you find out kind of what it is you want to be doing, you you know it. And you kind of, I'm like, no, it's like, I, I'm going to turn what I want to do into a podcast because I know with the podcast, Yes, there's a way you can make money. Yes, I can still keep doing my other stuff and I can still do all the other things that I was trying to do to get going up going because my whole thing was I got into this because it was more the homeless issue for me among veterans Mm -hmm. because there's a huge amount of us that are homeless. There's a huge amount of us killing ourselves. And I think down my journey, I kind of realized that you can't address the homelessness without addressing the mental health. And... With it, I was, I'm was i basically taking 50% of the profits that my company makes across all levels when it gets to the point where it's actually truly profitable, and I'm going to give it to companies that are out there doing the good thing or directly reinvest in those programs to get the homelessness or donate it to like 220, and all those organizations that are out there specifically trying to help veterans and first responders and the people that really need it because... Right now, it's like the mental health crisis and the homelessness crisis, especially among vets, I don't think people understand just how bogged down and bureaucratic the VA is and how either unwilling or slow it is to change for people, especially veterans, to get the help that they need. And it's very, very specific as to what VA you're dealing with as to how those things are implemented. because You would think that since it's nationwide, it would all operate the same, but it really, really doesn't. And that's, and like you said, like where you found it, where the mental health services in your county, I think you start to see, and you're seeing more and more of it, where organizations are coming out and trying to fill those gaps that they know the VA no longer can. Because let's face it, with the way our political system is right now, they just wanted to cut 22% from the VA. And I can only imagine what that would have meant for the veterans, especially Gulf War one and two yeah. of what that would have meant for it. Because I've got some friends in my neighborhood. One was a medic in Gulf War one. And I'm like, yeah, go to the VA, apply for all your stuff, get whatever you can come to you because you earn that shit, regardless of whether or not you think you do, or if there's somebody else that's worth, it's like, I tell everybody just keep going and going and fighting what you're, what you can get for them because regardless of how, whether you served a wartime, peace, or whatever else, there is a mentality that comes by flipping into that different type of lifestyle and you pay a price for it. Some pay it worse than others, but I mean everybody pays a price for putting on those uniforms and going out the door. Absolutely.
1: And it's uh, law enforcement, I don't believe, is quite the the twenty-two that we talk about in the military, but okay. it's not far behind and um the uh your paramedics and your firefighters. Um there's there's and maybe not necessarily the firefighters. I know there is some there, but if you think about the paramedics, all you do in the back of that ambulance is look at death mm-hmm. all day long or horrible, horrible things. And they're they're definitely uh um not included a lot of the time it is your your ambo jockeys. Yeah, I said it. Um <laughs> but uh, you know I, I think that they need to be remembered too. And then your law enforcement spouses, I know 220 actually uh uh, did the process of uh, my fiance a couple days ago and, uh, it's been fantastic. So, uh, huge shout out. If you're a law enforcement spouse, firefighter spouse, military spouse, uh, you guys definitely are, are not appreciated enough or brought up enough. So I want to give a shout out to, to all of them out there because we go through it on in the street, but they're the ones who have to deal with it with us at, at the house. And oh yeah. I'm no, joy. And my uh, I'm joy all the time. I know that. <laughs> yeah.
0: My wife is definitely, um, see me at my absolute not best <laughs> this is probably the best way of saying that where it's like if I was on the other side of it I probably would have been like yeah no fuck this shit I'm out <laughs> deuces but God love her she's still with me don't know why sometimes she's way too good for me but I it's like my old commander even said that one. she was like yeah I know she is She's way too good for you I'm like thank you man thanks for having my back on that one He's like, well, am I lying? I'm like, no, not at all. But you know, it's, it's, it's
1: <laughs> didn't have to say
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't have to say it out loud. You can say that to me, but come on. But no, um, Justin, absolute pleasure talking with you. Um, yeah, if you ever want to stop by again, maybe we can head up to kind I'm guessing it's the EEN. uh
1: 1033 Industries. Okay. Uh, I'll make I'll make it quick 1033 Industries. So there's a lot of gaps and a lot of issues within uh uniforms within law enforcement and, and whatnot so we actually designed base layers to work better with body armor and whatnot because I got tired of out here we got a 30 percent temperature swing in the spring and fall you're always you can't really figure out what to wear so we went into the clothing industry we've done a lot of, a lot of work with uh base layers and uh some other stuff We got a bunch of stuff uh, in development but if you guys want to buy some merch uh, hats or patch hats he's just released t-shirts hoodies whatever like i said uh three percent of everything goes to twenty two zero to support what they're doing and discount code 1033 usa gets you 10% off
0: 1033
1: usa because i'm always looking to support um organizations and that's that oh. support and uh sorry the website 1033usa.com so it's a an discount. Three, but remember,
0: because I'm always looking for a deal. No, <laughs> no, but uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I wish you all the best because I know the more successful you're doing, um, the more successful twenty two zero is going to be. And I would love to see organizations like twenty two zero basically have all the funding in the world so they can reach as many people as they possibly can. Because, like they said, our ultimate goal is to be out of business. And I'm like, Unfortunately, as long as people still put on a uniform, I don't think that's ever going to do it until we get to that Star Trek society where we're no longer fighting amongst ourselves and we're still dealing with it. But at that point, you know, it's in galaxies far, far away. and
1: There's other issues to be had.
0: we're going to be dealing yeah, <laughs> with a lot of other things because I've always... And it's, I don't know where you believe in aliens or not like that, but I'm like, I look—I can look up in the star, like, especially out in the country and you look up at the sky on a good clear night and you can see all that stuff. You're like, yeah, whether you believe in God or not, there ain't no way in hell everything got put all the eggs in one basket.
1: Oh, man, here, where to put the tinfoil hat on. That might have to be another episode because I can go for a while on that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, I don't have the ability to do anything. I can go off what my dad's told me from some of his military stories from being in the Air Force back in the day. But, yeah, I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> just go outside on a good story night where you can see, like, it all and just be like, yeah, there ain't no fucking way we're the only ones. You just can't be. Even if it ain't in this galaxy, there just ain't no way. Um, and I think the day that the aliens show up and are actually known is the day that humans stop fighting amongst themselves because we'll be like, oh shit. It's, it's all, it might just be us or them because let's face it, if we're this way, you know, all of them out there aren't, aren't going to be some benevolent, peaceful group and resources are resources. And I think they're pretty universal. So, again, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Yeah, uh, podcast, more for you. will start airing on the 10th of July. Uh, My first one is actually going to be my interview with Dr. Arnell, so it's going to be a little short. And then I've got three more that I've recorded that i got to get on to Spotify from there. But, yeah, keep moving forward, podcast. Look for it on uh, Spotify and all the other major outlets as soon as I can figure out how to get them on all the other major outlets. And just going from there. But it was an absolute pleasure talking with you, and I'd love to have you back sometime and just have you...
1: Absolutely. It was uh, it was a pleasure being here and thank you for having me. It was uh it was a good time. That uh almost yeah. two hours. That was
0: uh been <laughs> going for a while. I'm like, oh, we need to do something because yeah, my family's gonna be like, uh I know we're not camping, but you still need to make dinner. i to be like,
1: That's actually what I'm getting ready to do right
0: now. So <laughs> <laughs> there's chicken I've got that I gotta go get going on. But have a wonderful evening. Give your fiance you my too. best. Um and just stay safe out there while you're doing your job and protecting your Will community. Be.
1: Will do. And thanks again for having me. And uh, you have a great night.
0: You as well.